Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. somehow tonight to wrap our, not just our mind, but wrap our heart around the central truth of your word and strengthen us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. This evening I am going to continue talking from the fruit of the Spirit on the aspect of meekness. As I've said multiple times throughout this study, understanding that one each one of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit is dependent upon the other. These are not something we can just kind of stick our hand down in the grab bag and say, well, I'll, I'll take this. I don't want that. But each one is dependent upon the other. And uh, the, day, the, the psalmist David said in Psalms 25 and 9, the scripture says, The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. Amen. Now just hold that scripture there for just a moment. I don't know about you, but I need the guiding hand of the Lord in my life. And so here is the key. Amen. I need to know the way of the Lord. I want that to be a part, not just of the intellectual part of me, but I want that to be a part of who I am. And so I pray that the Lord would teach me his way on a very consistent basis and teach me about your word I do want to commit the word to memory. I, w- I, I am always encouraged when I hear our Bible quizzers quote these scriptures and, and uh, a little bit envious in a, in a righteous way <laughs> of that ability to commit that scripture to memory. But can I tell you that as important or even probably more so important than just committing that to our mind, that must be committed to our heart. And so I say, Lord, if I'm going to learn your way, here's the key. I've got to keep a meek spirit. And if I am going to have your hand to guide me and to lead me, then I, I must be meek in your presence. And so what we're speaking about tonight is not optional. What I'm talking about this evening is as vital as Acts 2.38. What I'm talking about this evening is as, is as important as being water baptized by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin. What I'm talking about this evening is as important and is as scriptural as receiving the Holy Ghost as evidence with speaking with other tongues. Amen. I I wanna underline this tonight. This is not just something we can do if we get around to it or feel like it, but this is what the scripture said would be born in our heart. This is what we will be if we profess to have his spirit abiding in us. The word meek or meekness uh, it's kind of a catchphrase in some, in some camps. Perhaps many things come to mind when we hear the word meekness. We may envision a person that is timid or shy or their countenance is somewhat downtrodden. Typically, when we hear the term meekness, we link that to someone who may be reticent by nature 
or even someone that is weak. But I want to tell you tonight that meekness, especially in the context of the fruit of the Spirit, amen, there's nothing in the world that could be more opposite than weakness. And nothing in the world that could be more opposite than being timid and shy. And so this evening we're going to discuss a couple of things. We're not just going to uh, tell us how important it is for us to have a gentle nature and a gentle spirit, but we're also going to be talking about how we can do that. Not just something you need to get, but let's talk about some how we get our hands on this. Meekness in its true definition is strength under control. That's the meek person. Not someone who doesn't have an opinion. Not someone who doesn't have uh, the ability to assert themselves, but it is strength under control. The Hebrew word in the Old Testament defines meekness as humility, and so we read that term a lot, and we find that characteristic a lot in not just the Old Testament, but specifically there for sake of our, our study this evening. The word basically refers to our meekness or our humility before God, and so our approach before the Lord. It's an understanding that we are totally dependent upon God, not just for our existence, but also for our sustenance. Give us this day our daily bread. I realize that in America, in our Western culture, that it's probably been a little while since we've needed to pray, Lord, I'm going to ask you today to help me to have something to eat. But that's what it boils down to. There are people today that were only sustained by the hand of God. God fed them. Elijah found himself at the brook Cherith, and the scripture says you, you abide there, and God ordered ravens to feed him every day. He was the provider. And until those ravens showed up, he didn't have anything to eat. And so we know many times that it's a little bit hard to, Pray, God, give us this day our daily bread whenever we can hardly fit one more can of beans in the cupboard. Amen? Amen. But it is understanding that we are totally dependent upon Him. It also encompasses our willingness to submit to His will. Thy will be done. The following scriptures help us to better understand this type of meekness before the Lord I'm going to be using a lot of scripture tonight, so just keep up with me if you will on the screen. Psalms 25 and 9, the meek of God, the meek will God guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his ways. Psalms 147 and 6, the Bible says, the Lord lifts up the meek, but casts the wicked to the ground. And so if you could just pause there for just a moment, which category would you like to be in? Amen, I would like the Lord to lift me up and not cast me down. So what is the key? The key is the spirit of meekness. I want the Lord to set me up, to lift me up. I certainly don't want the Lord to cast me to the ground. Isaiah 29 and 19, the scripture says, The meek shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor in heart shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Zephaniah, I don't have the scripture but on the screen, but Zephaniah 2 and 3 says, Seek the Lord, all the meek of the earth. Seek righteousness. Seek meekness. 
that you may be hid in the day of the Lord's wrath. Seek this. Seek after this. And so I'm left with the impression that this may not be something that just falls in our lap. I may have to work for this. I may have to, I may have to work at this. And I realize that we're all made up a little bit differently and, and some people are a little more timid by nature, some a little more high strung by nature. But you see, that's where we need that new nature to take over. I need the Spirit of God to create in me the spirit of meekness. Solomon also expresses several benefits of his approach to God. In Proverbs 15 and 33, the Bible says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Before honor is humility. The Bible says in in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 12, Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, and before victory is humility. So think about those two scriptures again, if you will. 1533 says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. He said, And before honor is humility. And then in 1812, he said, And before victory is humility. And so there are some things God is trying to underline in our lives. If we really want to be used of God, if we really want to go up, then the way is down. Am I right? Amen. If you really want to be in the... If you really want to be in the forefront, then you need to get in the back of the line. That's what the scripture talks about. It just that is so adverse in our way of thinking in our mind because we live in a dog eat dog world. We live in on in a in a mindset that we step on whoever and whatever we can to get whatever we think we need. But God said, if you will just abase yourself, I'll do the lifting. If you'll just find you a stool of humility, I will I will in due time. I will bring you where you need to be. And God is fair. He is righteous. He is just. And he will do just that before us. You know, when the when uh, no matter what the obstacles are in our way, uh, we know that God can certainly meet those needs. A few Wednesday nights ago we were we were privileged to have a missionary family with us. Uh and what a privilege it was to be able to meet them and introduce their ministry and their burden uh, to our con- to our congregation here. And one of the things that was noted that night was that uh, they needed to sell their house. And uh, they mentioned that in the service, but they'd also talked to me about that outside of the outside of the service and said, you know, that's going to be quite a challenge, at least from what it appears, because where we live, there are several houses for sale. Well, I, 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 just a few days after their the service here, they uh, had posted on Facebook about somebody had they put their house on the market, and just in a few days, Brother Ambersole could probably answer this a little bit better than me. But just within a few days, not only was were they showing interest in their house, but they had a buyer for their home, and so we know that God, in the midst of all this confusion in the minds of men, we say we're just going to get lost. I mean, we're just another for sale sign in the yard. We're just, in in the midst of all this, we're just going to get lost. But you see, God had his eye, amen, not just on the sparrow, but God had his eye on this husband and wife that said, we will, Lord, thy will be done. We will do whatever you would have us to do. And so it was in the stepping down that God put them and their situation in the forefront. Proverbs 22 and 4, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Those are a few Old Testament scriptures referring to meekness. The New Testament 
The New Testament definition of meekness is very intriguing to me because it comes from a Greek word that means mildness. Mildness, another little layer here of this, another dimension, a gentle, soothing disposition. And of course, by implication, it also means humility. It refers, though, the, the word in its original form refers to the behavior of a domesticated animal. And so I want you to think about this with me for just a moment. Of course, it's not an inference that we are that, that type of animal, but it is stating that there is something in the behavior of a domesticated animal that defines meekness. And so we are in a setting that we can wrap our minds around domesticated animals because animals by nature can be strong and uncontrollable. But when they, become, when they become domesticated, by definition, they do not lose their strength, but they just learn how to control their strength. And so they don't become weak. They don't morph into something that is unlike anything genetically predisposed for them, but they learn to control their weakness, or their strength rather. Therefore, the New Testament teaching refers to a mild and a meek spirit. And so that's what we're supposed to be manifesting to the world because we've been telling people, I got the Holy Ghost. Well, I guess I guess we've been saying that. It kind of got hung out to dry there. I was, I was really counting on a good 85, 90% participation there. But we've been telling everybody we've been born again. We've been, we've been changed. Got a few more. Amen. Let me just stay here for a little while. We've been telling everybody, I got, I repented of my sins. I've been, I've been water baptized. We have to get them to come back and sing another song, I guess. I've been, I've repented of my sins. I've been water baptized. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. We've been born again in that, in that statement. What we're saying is that the old me died and a new me was born. And so if we're going to proclaim that a new me was born, we better take the new me with us to work. We better take the new me with us home. We better take the new me with us wherever we go, not just to church on Sunday, not just to church on Wednesday, or not just some spiritual setting, but we need the Spirit of God to blanket our mind and our heart and our spirit, not to talk about it, but to become this, to become this. And so, by if we could just use the same analogy of this domesticated animal, we do not lose our strength. We just learn how to control our strength. Amen. Anybody ever said what come across your mind to say and then regretted it? You had Just because you had the power to do it didn't mean that we should do it. Just because you have the ability to do something doesn't mean that we should just do that. We have to let the Spirit of God help us to, to control that. And so the expressions of meekness, the New Testament use, usage of the word meekness shows us specific areas where we can manifest this aspect of gentleness. Here are some areas. As we consider each of these, keep in mind, if you will, keep in mind, if you will, that meekness does not mean weakness. Can you... Can you, add, can you make a screen up that says that meekness is not weakness? Can, can we do that on the fly? Sure, okay. Because I want you to understand, just kind of bounce between the two of them, if you will. 
Just keep it interesting. Amen? <laughs> Meekness does not mean weakness. And we need to be reminded of this. We're so afraid sometimes we're going to lose who we are. They're not, we're not willing to step off the pedestal of what God wants us to become. And so as we consider that, please just bear in mind, that will flash on the screen from time to time, that meekness does not mean weakness, but meekness is strength under control. Amen. Meekness is strength under control. And so meekness causes some things to manifest itself in our life. One of those things, meekness causes good works. When, when, when we have a meek and humble spirit, there are just, there are just some things that's going to evolve from us because of that. The scripture says in James 3 and 13, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation. The word conversation there means life or conduct or behavior. So let him show out of his life. Let him show out of his conduct. Let him show through his behavior his works with meekness of wisdom. And so our behavior and conduct ought to be with meekness and wisdom. And so when we are helping others, when we are coming alongside someone in need, whatever that need may be, that is a manifestation of meekness. We are setting aside our agenda to let them, let them know uh, that, that we're going to be there to help them, to assist them in whatever way. Good works, and good works certainly has a broad, broad, broad definition. But uh, meekness also causes us to have the ability to speak right, to not speak well. I'm not talking about being a public speaker, but, but to have the right kind of speech. Titus 3 and 2, the Bible says, Speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Amen. It teaches us how to speak well. We all perhaps have, I would hope to think that we would at least have one friend who is so very, very conscientious about not speaking evil of no one. Amen. And so I'm always encouraged whenever I'm around someone who is so very almost hyper-conscious of just not saying anything negative. And I'm not talking about being mystical and silly, but just not to be negative or cynical. It encourages me not to speak evil of people not to be a brawler. But he said we need to be gentle. We need to show kindness. We should always speak in a gentle and a meek way. Amen. And, and you know what? We can be direct and be meek. You can be direct and be humble. You don't have to take somebody's head off at the shoulders to get a point across. That's right. We can speak in a gentle way. We can treat people uh, in a, in, p- treat people with gentleness. And, you know, if you've ever worked in, a, in any kind of service-related industry where you had to serve others, you really get what I'm talking about, don't you? Because you can really come across some doozies, can't you? <laughs> Mr. and Mrs., the son came up this morning because of me. You're looking at their whole reason that the son <laughs> came up this morning. And so when you see people that are so intoxicated on themselves, you understand the value of those that have the ability to communicate well. Meekness helps us to receive the word of God. The Bible says in James 1.21, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Now, I understand there are nights and times and, and seasons and even settings where 
The Word of God is so easy to receive. It is so palatable and it feels good. It tastes good. It is exactly what we need. But there are times that the Word of God doesn't come to us from that angle. But it's a little bit more in your face. It's a little bit up more where we live. And sometimes it's a little bit hard to to digest that. But he said we need to receive with meekness the engrafted Word of God. Amen. Receive with meekness. And so when the Spirit of the Lord is moving and the Word of God is going forth, whether that is reading it or you're hearing it preached or taught or, or whatever the case may be, and something rises up in your spirit to reject that, remember, if you're going to get this, you better get a spirit of meekness to receive that engrafted Word of God. And so i got to set down that shield of defense and ask the Lord to just touch my heart. And so sometimes instead of, instead of thinking and sitting through a service and trying to figure out who's been talking to the pastor about your life, you might want to consider that it may have been God. Amen. It's an outside chance. It may have been, it may have been the Lord. And the Lord is just trying to just speak something into your heart and into your spirit. Do we have that in the amplified version of that? The scripture in James 1 and 21, here's what it says in the amplified version. So get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness and in an humble, gentle, modest spirit receive and welcome the word which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your soul. Watch this. The Bible says receive the Bible says that, that from the weakness and the humble and a gentle, modest spirit, receive and welcome the word which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your soul. That word, the only way the word can have the power to save your soul is that it needs to be implanted and rooted in your heart. Amen. That's what I'm trying to get at. Amen. So you can't just hear it with your ear and say, hmm. You can't just say, well, I'm not sure about that. Amen. If if we are if the power of God, if the word of God is going to have the power to save our soul, are you hearing me this evening? Amen. Then we have got to get this implanted and rooted in our heart. I can't sit back with my arms folded with an uninterested, unimpressed countenance or spirit. I've got to come to the house of God and say, Lord, let this word get implanted. And Lord, let this word get rooted in your heart. Amen. Then it contains the power to save your soul. My wife called me just a couple of days to come outside and and, uh, she was showing me she had a, a plant, a flower that she thought had died. Am I correct? She thought it had died, and so she set it down beside our carport, and and uh, I suppose it began to sprout back up. And so she hung it back out on one of her plant hangers, and and uh, so she was uh, of course happy about that. But in a few days, she noticed that where she had set the old dead plant, something was springing up, and a flower had bloomed right there. It was just grass and a flower, (laughs) just grass and a flower, no big beautiful plant seemingly to sustain it, but it was just our grass and then that flower. But because it was implanted and because it had 
the ability to get rooted. Amen. It had the ability then to betray its beauty and its and its wonder. Amen. It was all right there. It was all right there. And so tonight I will say that we can't just come and hear another sermon. We can't just come and hear another song. We can't just go through the motions and clap our hands or do whatever. Amen. I say, God, help me tonight to let your word be implanted in my heart and my mind and let it be rooted in my spirit. Praise God. And so when we receive, when we receive the word through teaching, we ought to receive it in a spirit of meekness. Meekness strengthens uh, our, our relationships. Uh, I suppose at the top of the list tonight, meekness strengthens our marriages. Amen. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 1 through 4, Likewise, ye wives, be in submission to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, this is how powerful meekness can be. He said that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation, or again the word conversation is lifestyle, by the lifestyle, by the humility of the wives. Amen. I'm in the, I am as dead center of the word of God as I can possibly be right here. Amen. He said this is what's going to happen. Even if your husband doesn't have a love for the word of God, if he has no appreciation for the word of God, the word of God alive in your spirit, the word of God manifest through meekness is going to be a converter. Amen. It will, it will, be a, it will work to the conversion of your husband while they behold your chaste conversation or lifestyle coupled with fear. Verse 3, whose adorning let it not be that of outward adorning, plaiting the hair, and of wearing of gold, or of putting on of apparel. But here it is in verse number 4. Not to discount verse number 3, but he said, look at verse 4. But let it be in the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornate ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God, which, which is in the sight of God, of a great price. Amen. So here it is, the power of meekness in a relationship that can speak through the power of sin, that can speak through the power of unbelief. Amen. That's how powerful the word of God is in our lives. There are so many passages of scripture that not just refer to a wife's relationship to her husband, but also a husband's relationship to their wives, to love their wives and to honor their wives. Ephesians 5 and 25, Husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Colossians 3, 19, Husband, love your wives and be not bitter against them. First, First Peter 3 and 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife. And so here is this reciprocal spirit of giving back and forth not a one sided affair by any stretch of the imagination but to love and to honor and to cherish and to protect praise God and so while we do believe in the spirit of submission equally we believe in the spirit of honor and love and adoration praise God and so it's important that a spirit of gentleness and meekness be betrayed in our marriages as a matter of fact, that may be the very cord that holds us. That may be the very cord that binds us. Meekness also helps us to forgive. 
Colossians 3 and 12, the Bible says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Amen. No commentary truly needed. We have been the recipient of forgiveness several times in our lives. I'm sure if you're like me, you don't even know how many times. Therefore, the Lord is instructing us to be quick to forgive in a spirit of meekness. Meekness also helps us restore the fallen. And I realize that many Wednesday nights in this study, I have gone to Galatians 6 and 1, but I'm going to go there again tonight. So Galatians 6 and 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Many have been lost because no one reached out in the spirit of meekness after they failed. Amen. After they stumbled. And so we need to reach in a spirit of meekness, understanding that this could be us. This could be me. A preacher from a bygone era makes a very insightful statement about Galatians 6 and 1. And so I share this with you tonight for us to tuck away in all of our hearts. He said this, when we see a brother or a sister in sin, there may be some things about this situation we don't know. We may not know how hard they tried not to sin. We may not know the power, the forces that assailed them to sin. We also do not know what we would have done in the same circumstance. So before we climb up on our pious pedestal of judgment, we might better pause and think, I wonder how I would have navigated my way through a similar situation. Never let it be said that we condemned struggling people because we weren't willing to be gentle in our approach to them. I mean, I, I'm not talking about rampant, blatant stuff. I'm talking about the stuff that we deal with every day. I mean, I know some people do what they do because that's what they want to do. I get it. But I'm talking about the struggle, the real life struggle that we face on a daily basis. Meekness unifies. Meekness will never divide. Not a more clear example than this. And again, I, I, I realize I mentioned this recently as well. But Genesis 13 and 7. And there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Pezzarite dwelled in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, let, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Those four words, those four words are to drive us, for we be brethren. Let's don't divide, we're brothers. Let's don't divide, we're family. Amen, let's don't divide, we're family. Abram said, It's not the whole land before thee. Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. And if that will take the left hand, I will go to the right. If thou depart the right hand, then I will go to the left. Abram, as I mentioned, was the elder. I mentioned earlier when I referred to this in another message that he didn't have to. He was the elder. He could have chosen. He could have made the decision. He, said, he could have said, I'm doing this. 
therefore you're doing that. But he chose and responded with meekness. Amen. When an opportunity for anger occurred, when an opportunity for strife presented itself, he said, I'm going to handle this with meekness. He realized that an angry and a superior attitude would just cause a rift in his relationship with Lot. And really his relationship with Lot was going to be far more meaningful than grass and cattle and things of that nature. As a matter of fact, his relationship with Lot at this particular moment in time, and I realize that a lot of this congregation tonight knows this story inside and out, and so I'm taking a little liberty here. But but Abraham realized, or Abram realized that his relationship was so important to Lot that he wanted to do everything in his power to preserve it. But really, we know the end of the story, and so we could say it this way, that Lot didn't realize how important his relationship with Abram was going to be. We had better not duke this out here over grass and water because there's coming a day in the not-so-distant future that I'm going to thank God there wasn't a bridge that was burned right here. Amen. We've often heard about the patience of Job and and, and it's, it's so important to realize the humble attitude that, that Job presented to this. Excuse me, I'm sorry, I, I skipped something here. Amen. When we think about when we think about where Lot was in his life, I don't want to skip over this too fast. Let me go back to this to, to realize that Lot was going to need the prayer and the relationship of Abram. If they had if they had lost their relationship at this particular moment, perhaps Abram would have not had the influence that he needed to have in Lot's life to save his family later. That was what I was driving at. And so we've got to be very, very important that the, 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 the relationship we're trying to keep intact, it may be as much for the other person in the future as it is for us. We don't know what the future is going to hold. And so I'm not sure the, lot, the Scripture doesn't say a whole lot to us about the attitude of the spirit of Lot in all of this at this particular place in time. And so we don't really know what was going on in the mind and the heart of Lot necessarily. But we do know that thankfully there was a relationship that was kindled, a relationship that was spared through the spirit of meekness. And so Abram maintained his relationship and his influence with Lot for the future. Amen. I, I, I was thinking today they may have parted ways, but they sure didn't part friendship. They parted ways. They separated geographically, but they didn't separate in the heart. Meekness brings perspective. The Bible said in James 5, 11, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. We talk a lot about the patience of Job and it's important to realize that the humble attitude that Job portrayed during his trial, even though for a short time he did question God in his frustration or he had certainly room in his life to wonder. Ultimately, he came to realize that God had not forsaken him and that God would indeed see him through. Had Job became arrogant, here is so critical. What if Job had become arrogant? What if Job had become rebellious? In all of this, he would have missed what God was trying to give birth to. And so when meekness is an integral part of our spirit, it brings perspective into trials. It brings perspective into life. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. And I would ask you to stand, if you will. Consider for a moment with me, if you have been Jesus and this happened to you,
And I promise you the journey we're fixing to take in the next short few moments is a scriptural journey. Consider for a moment if you had been Jesus and this happened to you. One of your inner circle of followers sold you out for a mere 30 pieces of silver. He comes to you in the moment of your most agonizing surrender at a most critical moment in your life and he betrays you with a kiss. What would you do? Your human nature would want to respond in anger and retaliation, but that's not, that's not what Jesus did. It's not that it, he wasn't capable of doing that. I think that we have to understand and never lose sight of that because we did see Jesus driving out the money changers in the temple with whips, and so we know he had it in him. <laughs> to add insult to injury, another follower manifesting righteous indignation draws his sword, cuts off the ear of one of the soldiers who had come to arrest you. It's not that Jesus didn't feel the emotion of the moment, but with a meek and gentle spirit and with the utmost demand of self-control could we do what Jesus did. Instead of vilifying and condemning Judas, he called him friend. He didn't rant and rave at Peter and tell, tell the soldier that it served him right. He didn't take advantage of either one of those situations. He just reached down in the dirt and picked up a bloody ear and with a gentle hand he placed it right back where it belonged in a miraculous fashion. And here in the garden of betrayal, a final earthly miracle takes place. And sometimes we forget that this really was a miracle. In one of the most excruciating moments of his life, when he could have been more worried about his next few days or hours, he was more concerned about the man's ear than he was his own future. And he performs one last miracle in the most unlikely of settings. He did this because he was still a teacher. He was still an example. And he was saying, without saying, watch this. This is what you do when this happens. And so by example, he was teaching his disciples that you're going to be tempted at times to respond in your flesh, but you've got to keep your spirit under control. He was teaching them something very, very significant. And here's the lesson. When your moment of temptation comes, and when my moment of temptation comes, meekness is always the strongest response. It's not that you don't have the power. It's not that somewhere you lost the power. It's that somewhere you decided to get that power under control. Amen, I'm going to keep it there. Never forget meekness is strength, but strength under control. Amen, would you lift your hands and could we ask God to touch his word to our heart this evening. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we have a tremendous task before us. <clears throat> and within our own power, it cannot be done. But by your grace, certainly it can be. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. 
We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.